Chapter twenty two of Our Army at the Front. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary B. Clayton. Our Army at the Front by Hayward Brown. Chapter twenty two The Army of Maneuver. While the American Army was showing its quality in the minor battles of Sechucre, Cantani, Chateau Thierry, and Vaux, and its quantity was showing itself in leaps of hundreds of thousands of men a month a destiny was shaping for it equally in circumstances and in the mind of generalissimo foch which was to be even greater than it had sacrificed in late march when it submerged its identity and said put us where you will for when on july eighteen the fifth german offensive suddenly shivered into momentary equilibrium and then rolled back with foch and the allies pounding behind it and when this counter-attack developed into a continuing offensive which was to straighten the marne salient and throw back the germans from before amiens and do this future only knows what else besides the allied world said in one voice foch has found his army of maneuver and it's the americans while the germans were trying two systems first the broad front attacked which trusted to overbear by sheer weight anything which opposed it and second the so-called hutier system of draining the line of all its best fighters and organizing shock troops immeasurably above the average for offensive while the line was held by the ragtag and bobtail the french stuck to their traditional system this was to hold the lines with the lightest possible number of men of the highest possible caliber and to thrust with a mobile force footloose and ready to be swung wherever a spot seemed likely to give way it was with the army of maneuver thrown up from paris in frantic haste by guyani in taxicabs and trucks that general foch made the miraculous plunge through the saxon army at ferion tardenois in september nineteen fourteen which saved the first battle of the marne when general foch became generalissimo in late march just after the first german offensive on march twenty one had thrown the british back and when the french were retreating at montdidier the expectation universally was that the allies would begin an offensive within the shortest possible time foch had been quoted all over the world as saying that defensive fighting was no defense yet april may and june passed and part of july and except for scattering attacks along the marne salient and patient rear-guard action when the retreats were necessary the allies made no move the austrian debacle came and went foch had italy off his mind and the italians were more than taking care of themselves still he did not strike and finally it became clear that he was showing this long patience because he wanted what every frenchman wants first in every battle and what he did not surely have until july his army of maneuver the fitness of the american army for this brilliant use was dual first that its source was virtually inexhaustible second that it was better at offensive than defensive fighting the american army had a quality and the defect of that quality it wanted to get to berlin regardless of tactics and while general foch was trusting to time to prove to them that pleasant or unpleasant the tactics had to be observed he turned their spectacular fire and exuberance to direct account of course the american troops in france then ready to fight could not alone make up the allied army of maneuver 
they were the core of it however and their growing numbers guaranteed it almost indefinitely so that the attack of which it was to be the backbone could safely be begun some of the troops originally intended for welding with the british and french armies were kept in the line without change but in the main the statement was true the american army was to rove behind the allied lines till foch discovered or divined a german weakness to strike into in the second battle of the marne begun that july eighteenth when the allies took the offensive again for the first time in more than a year the crown prince and his army of approximately half a million were tucked down in the marne salient driving for paris the german line came down from soissons to chateau thierry ran east from thierry along the marne river then turned up again to rheims in the space of about thirty miles where the crown prince had imprudently poured all his troops which for the fifth offensive begun july fifteenth included about a third of the manpower of the western front the allied troops lying around the three sides of the salient were french and american on the western side americans across the bottom east from chateau thierry and french british and italian from the marne up to rheims while the french and british were squeezing in the two sides at the top it was the american job to keep the germans from bursting out from the bottom and if possible to break through or roll them back the americans began the attack east of chateau thierry where germans had crossed the marne and lay a few miles to the south of it there had been lesser actions here for several days in the process of stopping the enemy offensive and by the morning of the eighteenth the americans dominated the positions around the marne the first day of the counter-offensive had magnificent results the germans were forced back on a twenty-eight mile front for a depth varying from three to six miles and the americans captured four thousand prisoners and fifty guns twenty french towns were delivered and the germans began what appeared to be a precipitate retreat fauch's attack was mainly on the flank of the crown prince's army which had been left exposed in the rush toward Epernay and Chalons, far south of the Marne. The infantry attack was made with little or no artillery preparation. The German general, von Bohn, was plainly caught napping. The communiques on both sides were for once in agreement. The French said, after having broken the german offensive on the champagne and rim mountain fronts on the fifteenth sixteenth and seventeenth the french troops in conjunction with the american forces attacked the german positions on the eighteenth between the aisne and the marne on a front of forty-five kilometers about twenty-eight miles we have made an important advance into the enemy lines and have reached the plateau dominating soissons more than twenty villages have been retaken by the admirable dash of the franco-american troops south of the Orcht, our troops have gone beyond the general line of marisy st genevieve hautvain and below the german communique said between the aisne and the marne the french attacked with strong forces and tanks and captured some ground later in the same communique the conclusion was drawn the battle was decided in our favor on the second day while the march under soissons continued and there were scattering gains on the marne side the number of allied prisoners grew to seventeen thousand and the number of guns captured to three hundred and sixty nobody could tell at this point whether the crown prince's army was retreating voluntarily or involuntarily 
in many places the germans were taken by american soldiers from the peaceful pursuit of cutting wheat behind the lines some high officers were nabbed from their beds on the other hand the fact that the german rear-guard actions were chiefly with machine-guns seemed to indicate that they were moving their heavy pieces back in fair orderliness on the third day the germans were back over the marne and the crown prince having sent an unavailing plea to prince ruprest for new troops suddenly showed fight with the crack prussian guards these guards had their worst failure of the war when they met the americans it is difficult to prevent the statement from sounding offensively boastful it is none the less true the germans having decided that their retreat was wearing the look of an utter rout and that they must resist fiercely enough to stop it risked a british breakthrough to the north by throwing in lutendorf's soldiers above the marne and although the american total of prisoners around soissons had risen to nearly six thousand and though they did force back the prussian guard they did not make prisoners from their number one american after another told afterward with a sort of reluctant admiration that the prussian guard had died where it stood this fighting near the orkt and fatally near the vitals of the encircled crown prince was the most desperate of the second marne battles on july twenty one chateau thierry was given up by the germans and the pursuing allies french and american drove the enemy beyond the high road to soissons and threatened the only highway of retreat as well as the german stores the supply centre within the salient was ferion tardonnois and it was being raked by allied guns from both sides of the salient the character of the fighting changed again so that again it was impossible to make sure if von bone intended to stand somewhere north of the marne and put up a fight or if he intended to make all speed back to a straight line between soissons and rheims the resistance was by machine-gun so that americans having their first big experience with the enemy insisted that he had nothing but machine-guns to trust to it is of course possible that the crown prince and von bone knew no more than anybody else whether they were going to clear out men and supplies or whether they would stop again and fight face foremost on july twenty two the german command answered the question at least partially on a line well above the marne they brought the big guns into play and poured in shock troops airplanes from the allied lines discovered however that the germans were burning towns and storehouses for many miles behind the line the pressure on the germans was being brought from the south where the americans were six or seven miles above chateau thierry and from west and north where the franco-american troops were flaying the exposed side the stiffened resistance and the german artillery slowed but could not stop the allied advance the eastern side of the salient from the marne to rheims bore some desperate blows but did not give way as the pincers closed in at the top of the salient the german command appeared to go back to its original plan of attacking rheims from the south this was the side on which british and italian troops were cooperating with the french and the german command got for its pains in that direction a counter-attack which narrowed the distance from battle line to battle line across the top of the salient the french menaced ferion tardonnois the german base of supplies allied aviators bombed these stores the long-range guns pounded at them and what with these and the conflagrations started defensively by the germans the marne salient was a cauldron which turned the skies blood-red on july twenty fourth the ground gained all along the line averaged two miles 
the british southwest of rem made a damaging curve inward and the shove around the other two sides was fairly even on july twenty fifth one week from the beginning of the offensive the americans and french from the soissons side and the british and the french from the rem side had squeezed in the neck of the trap till it measured only twenty-one miles the french arrived within three miles of ferion tardenois and although the german resistance increased again the evacuation of ferry and the removal of stores to fisme far up on the straight side were foreshadowed the road leading between the two supply bases was shelled incessantly and the difficulties of resistance within the fast narrowing salient became almost superhuman but the rear guard of the germans died to a man to quote the observers and the rear action held the allied gains to a few miles daily a definite retreat began on the morning of july twenty seven with what the airmen reported as an obvious determination to make a stand on the orked the forest of ferre was taken and many villages but the fighting was insignificant because in the language of the communiques our forces lost contact with the enemy possibly this is what the famous phrase of the lutendorf communique the enemy evaded us had in mind there was a certain psychological stupidity in this german decision to make a stand on the orkt it was on the orkt that slofay and foch made the fatal stroke of the first marne battle and the very name of the river inspired france while this retreat was in progress the swiftest of the battle the german communique read between the orkt and the marne the enemy's resistance has broken down our troops with those of our allies are in pursuit on the twenty ninth the germans crossed the orkt with the americans behind them the pursuit continued the american troops with french to the right and left of them forced the enemy to within a mile of the vesle where his halt had no hope of being more than temporary the brilliant charge across the orkt was done by new yorkers the fighting sixty ninth which refuses to be known by its new name of one sixty fifth edwin l james writing of this charge for the new york times said there is little doubt if any chapter of our fighting reached the thrills of our charge across the orkt yesterday americans of indomitable spirit met a veritable hell of machine-guns shells gas and bombs in a strong position and broke through with such violence that they made a salient jutting into the enemy line beyond what the schedule called for this american charge cured the germans of any intention to stay on the orkt the resistance after that first attack was sporadic and ineffectual village after village was reclaimed it became plain that the whole marne salient was to be obliterated and that the germans could not stop till they reached the thirty-six mile stretch directly from soissons to rem at which they had strong entrenchments one terrific stand was made by the germans at Sergi just above the orkt it changed hands nine times during twenty-four hours with americans fighting hand to hand with the prussian guards Sergi. was taken in the first push over the orkt but a counter-attack by the prussian fourth guard division under artillery barrage gave them the city once these guards were in the city the artillery barrage could no longer play over it and to the stupefaction of the germans the americans rushed in and fought hand to hand till they cleared the town while the german guns were powerless time and again this process was repeated till at last the germans gave it up and joined the general retreat 
this counter-attack is believed however to have enabled the crown prince to reclaim great stores of supplies in a woods north of the village at the end of these two weeks of infantry fighting the artillery took up the task and the infantry rested for a day though on august two they made a two-mile gain the total of german prisoners for that fortnight was thirty three thousand four hundred the hideous fighting above the orked between the americans and the picked german divisions continued for days with each day marking a small advance for the americans on august second the french regained soissons on august third the allies advanced six miles retook fifty villages and reached the south bank of the vesle american forces entered fisme the salient was annihilated on august fourth fisme fell and a great supply and ammunition depot became allied property the enemy was forced to cross the vessel and victory on victory was reported along the line which so lately had dipped into the nerve centres of france the second battle of the marne had been won the part of it achieved by america could not fail to stir her heart to pride and exultation though numerically the troops were few enough not more than two hundred and seventy thousand they traversed the longest distance of the salient from vaux at its lowest tip to fisme on the straight line their fighting called forth comment from french officers who had been through the four years of the war which could not be called less than rapturous they are glorious the americans rang through france clemenceau speaking of foch at the end of the battle to which the americans had contributed so much said he looks twenty years younger he had both found and proved his army of manoeuvre the story of this first battle's hero must wait though it will be long enough when it comes and can include something more heartening than that a boy from new england did thus and so and the army is thrilled by the heroic feat of blank of michigan probably the first death in france in which the whole nation grieved was that of young quentin roosevelt aviation lieutenant son of the ex-president who fell in an air fight in the preliminary to the battle on july seventeenth he was last seen in a fight with two enemy planes his machine fell within the german lines weeks later the onward allied army found his grave marked in english lieutenant quentin roosevelt buried by the germans an official dispatch from germany stated that he had been buried with full military honors colonel roosevelt made a brief statement quentin's mother and i are very glad that he got to the front and had a chance to render some service to his country and to show the stuff there was in him before his fate befell him the news of his death arrived just a few weeks after the news that he had downed his first german plane the simple sincerity of the statement and its courage gave an example to the mothers and fathers of fighters which no one feared they would fail to come up to and when the casualty list from the second marne battle came in every bereavement was stanched by the fact that they had shown the stuff there was in them certainly not the least in importance was the fact that they had shown it to the germans an official german army report was captured july seventh on an officer taken in the marne region after giving a prodigious amount of detail concerning the american army its composition destination and so on it appended the following opinion the second american division may be classified as a very good division perhaps even as assault troops the various attacks of both regiments on belleau wood were carried out with dash and recklessness the moral effect of our firearms did not materially check the advance of the infantry the nerves of the americans are still unshaken 
only a few of the troops are of pure american origin the majority is of german dutch and italian parentage but these semi-americans almost all of whom were born in america and never had been in europe fully feel themselves to be true-born sons of their country end of chapter twenty two recording by gary b clayton